We're only a couple of hours away from the SWAC announcing their all-SWAC superlatives. And if Willie Simmons isn't the coach of the year, we're going to need an investigation because he's the clear-cut winner. Oh, yeah. It's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off, it doesn't mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets after winning any $5 bet on a money line. That's $150 back if your team wins. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Stacked episode, and I'm very excited about this episode. I'm recording it really early for a couple of reasons. One is I want to get it out to you even earlier than I did yesterday. But then also, this is just, I've been excited about these topics since Saturday, to be honest. But at the end, we'll wrap up how Grambling was out coached because Dimitri Morcel, he just came out with a comment that Southern Jaguars cornerback on how he was able to stop the last play of the game. Then before that, we'll look at North Carolina Central and their unfortunate impact that the loss had on HBCU football for some of the more national people out there. But before any of that, we'll kick it off with a conference award. And that's Willie Simmons, who rightfully deserves to be the all swag coach of the year. Now, depending on the time that you're listening to this, he may already be the coach of the year. So I'll spend a little bit of time not just saying why he should be, or excuse me, not just saying that this is what he needs to do and you know this is why he should win it, but I also phrase it as this is why he won it. Because to me, this feels like it should be his award to lose. And if he does lose it, I'm gonna have to question what people are looking at. Every day or yesterday, I, I closed out the show saying that we're going to look at a question. Does Willie Simmons need to win the SWAC championship in order to win the coach of the year? Well, that's already been answered by the timing of the award. At that time, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure when the award was going to be handed out. I thought that maybe it'll come after the championship game. But because that's not the case, then whether or not he wins is irrelevant because the game will not have been played yet. So we can only look at what happens in the regular season, and that makes this thing even easier. The only question, the only way I could have seen people trying to take this award away from Coach Simmons is if he were to have lost in the conference championship game. But because this award is coming out before that and that's not on the table, what are you going to say to show me that there is a more deserving winner in the SWAC than Coach Willie Simmons? 
Because for me, I struggle to find what the argument is. And I know, you know, certain people look at it a certain kind of way. They might want to throw T.C. Taylor in the mix. I can't throw T.C. Taylor in the mix because there is a there is a gap in success that for me is too big. But then in addition to that gap, you're also looking at the storyline because people want to go in. Most times the best coach or the coach on the best team is going to get this kind of award unless there's a storyline. And then that's where T.C. Taylor comes into play, because obviously FAMU has been the best team in the SWAC, but you have a story with T.C. Taylor that we're actually going to look at tomorrow. And I don't think that he'll win this award, but it has nothing to do with that. It's just about looking at his first year. But he has a story that people will gravitate towards, but that story ain't enough to close the gap between their record and FAMU's record. That story isn't enough of a gap to close not only that success or uh, close that success gap, but then also to close the gap between the success and Willie Simmons's story. It's not as if Simmons is just a great coach on a great team. He has a little bit of a story going for him as well. So with Willie Simmons, no, it's not replacing the whole team, but instead it's about finally getting over this hump and making it to the SWAC championship game. Simmons, yes, he coached at PV, but let's look at his FAMU tenure. He's been with the Rattlers in the SWAC for three years. This is the third year. And in those first two years, he was a game away from the SWAG championship. And now this year, he's been able to get over the hump. That is a story. Is it a good, is it a story that is equal to replacing your whole team and having a winning record? No, it's not. But I didn't have to do all of that when I went undefeated in SWAG play. I didn't have to do all of that when I led the Rattlers to being number five in the nation. Right. You have to remember, they ended the season as the number five team in the FCS coaches poll. They dominated the swag. They had some close games, but they pulled those out. This is a team that has been the number one team all year long. They open up their season by knocking off Jackson State. And from that moment on, at no point were they not the top dogs in this conference. And they were fighting to be the top dogs in HBCU football. And they now have that. When you look at everything that is at stake, all of the context, not just the, the numbers, I'm talking about the record, the story, the um, the national rankings, the statistics, when you look at all of that, everything falls in line and tells you this is Willie Simmons's award to lose. No, 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 no. This is Willie Simmons's award. I don't want to hear it's his to lose because if anybody else gets it, I'm going to scratch my head. If anybody else gets it, we're going to have to sit down and I'm going to have to find somebody who can tell me why that person was more deserving. What was better? than leading FAMU to number five in the nation? What was better than leading FAMU to the number one spot in the conference? What was better than all of those things combined with now finally getting over the hump? He has a story. He has the success. What more do you want from him if he doesn't win the award? But because I believe that he will, I've laid out all of the reasons that he should and that he more than likely will win the award. Congratulations to you. And hopefully I didn't jinx you because I'm recording this at 641 on a Monday night. You won't be awarded this until 11 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. But hopefully I am right and we don't have to come in and talk about how it was a travesty on tomorrow's episode. But we'll continue rolling with this topic and we're done looking at coaches for the moment. Instead, I want to look at the overall impact of North Carolina Central's loss to Richmond in the first round in the FCS playoffs. And I know a lot of people aren't going to want to hear this, 
but it does have an impact, even if the impact doesn't move the needle at all. And we'll look at that as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn and LinkedIn is the number one place for all small business owners. And if you're looking for somebody to fill your team, why wouldn't you be on LinkedIn already? If you're looking for somebody to fill in the HR department, you have people on LinkedIn. There's over, there's over 800 million people on LinkedIn. You can find the right fit. You can find the right qualifications. You can find the right person. It's important to find the right fit and qualifications. Obviously, everybody focuses on can you have the person who's right for the job? But in addition to that, are they going to be able to be a team player? Because the chemistry of a team can throw you all the way out of whack. We see that in sports, but it's true in business as well. So go to LinkedIn.com, use the purple hashtag hiring frame, which allows you to post your job for free, and then you get to make sure that you get the right fit. Fit, fit, fit. It's always important. So go to LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That is LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to make sure that you get the right fit for you. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. And listen, maybe you think that your team, who's, who's playing tonight? The Vikings and the Bears. Or Thursday night, who is it? I don't know. Maybe you're going with the let's just go with the Vikings and Bears as an example. Maybe you felt like the Bears are going to pull off the upset and you want to take them or at least they're going to be able to be close. So you're going to take the Bears with the points. Well, if you feel that confident about yourself, go ahead and go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. And in addition to that, you also have the ability if you're new to FanDuel to put five dollars on a money line bet. And if you win, you get one hundred and fifty dollars back in bonus bets. What is the problem? Where is the downside? If you feel like you know what you're talking about, if you feel like you're talking to everybody, man, like, I know this, go ahead and put some money on it. Put your money where your mouth is, and then go ahead and add a little extra money into your wallet. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOnCollege to make every moment more. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. And remember, we have our Locked on Sports Today 24-7 stream all day, every day, no matter when you check it out. You can pause me, go look at it right now, come back to me because I'm talking that stuff you need to hear. And then I'll still be here when I finish talking, however many times it takes you to finish this, go back to Locked on Sports Today and they'll still be going. 3 a.m., 3 p.m., doesn't matter. Locked On Sports Today, 24-7 Sports, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Now I want to look at North Carolina Central, and I'm going to say some things that I, I feel like are going to ruffle some feathers, but it really shouldn't, in my opinion. But the impact of North Carolina Central's loss to Richmond on HBCU football. Internally, it does nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't feel like if you felt like I don't feel as if if in your mind, North Carolina Central was a good team, which they were to me, that because they lost to Richmond, you should second guess that. I do not believe that at all. I still believe that North Carolina Central is a good team. And it's funny because even this little blurb that I'm about to go on about this this topic here, it makes me think about a conversation I had in the comments section with um, a viewer, I can't remember who it was, but it was about internal validation versus external validation. If you're 
taking in your validation from external sources, yeah, you're in danger here because this is going to be bad. But if you believe in yourself internally and you're not looking for other people to say, yes, that's good, then you'll be straight. All that being said, I think it would be foolish to say that the loss didn't have any sort of impact because to me, North Carolina Central's loss allows national media, people who are not in the HBCU sphere, to continue saying HBCUs do not measure up, they cannot measure up. That's going to be impactful eventually, if it's not already impactful, to be honest. So the truth of the matter is one team should not define black college football. It shouldn't. North Carolina Central and what they do should not be impactful. Also, I'd be remiss if I did not mention Richmond lost to Morgan State. Richmond lost to Hampton. They lost to multiple HBCUs this year. So let's just put that out there for anybody who's listening and they they aren't a North Carolina Central fan. Maybe they coming down from Richmond. They want to have a little bit of time to showboat. They lost to some HBCUs, right? So it's just this idea that North Carolina Central, or excuse me, HBCUs in general are less than because North Carolina Central lost. However, I know, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I know what the national conversation, I know what the narrative is going to be. And some people might want to say that that doesn't matter, but I say that you're lying. I'm going to tell you why I say you're lying, because so often people look at the positive that can come from a situation. When you're looking at the positive that could come from a situation and then the outcome that you want, it doesn't happen. You can't then act like the negative doesn't exist. Right. So if North Carolina Central winning would approve the point that, hey, the upper echelon HBCUs can compete. When they lose, you can't act like the point you were trying to prove the audience you were talking to just doesn't exist anymore because you know why you were saying that you wanted to prove it to people. Who, who just felt like, oh, well, HBCUs, they can't compete, period. You were tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing it. But I can't act like I didn't want Central to win for that reason. I can't act like I didn't want Central to compete because I wanted to show that high-level HBCUs can compete on these kind of levels. I can't act like that. That would be extremely disingenuous of me, and I, will, I won't do that. I won't do it, right? And I know some people might. And some people might say, oh, that's not what I wanted. Fine. That's what I wanted. Forget trying to talk for anybody else. That's what I wanted. I wanted to see Central come out there and knock off Richmond. I wanted to see Central come out there and knock off Albany. I wanted to see them come out there and win these games because I'm tired of hearing that HBCU athletics are a step below in the FCS. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I think it's okay to want national praise. You know, that's a that's a a different aspect than clamoring for it, being desperate for it, but simply wanting to be recognized for who you truly are and not be downplayed, to not be belittled, to not have everything that you've accomplished kind of just thrown aside because of where you're doing it at. I think the desire for that is normal. I don't think that's unhealthy. I don't think that's looking for external validation. I think it's just saying, hey. I did what I did, and I want to be treated as such. I would hate to have the best podcast show of all time, and people just write it off because they think podcasts are small. Right? That's that's way different. And please acknowledge us. Please acknowledge us. If they don't acknowledge my show, 
whatever. If they don't acknowledge North Carolina Central or a fam, you are a Howard, whatever. But yeah, I kind of would like for them to do it. You know, I, you know, that, that's that's it. I just feel like people talk about changing narratives. People talk about proving a point. And then when the outcome they desire didn't happen, it's almost like everything they were fighting against is irrelevant to them. That's not true. If you wanted to prove a point, if you wanted to change a narrative, that narrative that is being spewed, those people who are speaking to you and, and regurgitating points that they've heard from other people and all of that, they're not the end of your life, but they do matter. They're not irrelevant to you. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to say that. Central didn't win this game. That's the outcome. That's not the outcome I wanted to happen, but it happened. Okay. So where do we go from here? We continue to show love to our HBCUs. We continue to show love to our institutions and promote our institutions because we have to remember that perception and reality are not the same thing, but they are related. Right. So like they are brother and sister in the sense that the longer that perception becomes the case, it becomes the reality to people who don't have. An ability to touch a situation. So if I feel as if this is or my perception of you is this way and I'm never around you, my perception is now my reality of you. So I think that is on us at times to promote the schools. And you know what? North Carolina Central knocked off Elon. They knocked off Campbell. They did what they needed to do. They've won games against top 25 teams two years in a row. They've been ranked in the top two, uh, 25 two years in a row. Excuse me. We can't sit here and act like they haven't done anything, but we have to promote that just as loud as I feel like people who are going to talk down. The volumes have to be equal, if not us being louder, because at the end of the day, I can't walk around with this this HBCUs are less than forever. I don't like it. You don't like it. I want to change the narrative. And the only way to change the narrative is by A, winning, which North Carolina Central has done. They just didn't do it in the playoffs. And then B, promoting ourselves, right? We have to elevate ourselves as well. And that comes from fans. That comes from schools, right? I think there's certain things schools can do to elevate the profile of their football teams, basketball teams, and whatever team we're speaking on, but typically it's football and basketball that's going to get the most clicks and buzz. That's the place to do it on. There's a lot of things that you could do, but unfortunately losing to Richmond, it didn't help. It allowed people who wanted to continue to say HBCUs are less than, it allowed them to continue to say that. So as we move forward, I'll look at Grambling versus Southern. This is HBCU versus HBCU. But specifically, I'll look at Grambling's last offensive play of the game and why I feel like it was another example of Southern just out coaching Grambling as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by uh, Prize Picks and Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Now, this is simple. Let's say you think Steph Curry is going to have over 27 points. Let's say that you think that Jokic is going to have double-digit rebounds or double-digit assists. Whatever you think is going to happen, compare that to the more or less the, uh, the uh, I don't even know how, what the word is, but basically compare it to what the projection, the projection is. They'll say Steph Curry, 29 and a half, more or less. Um, Jokic, 10 assists, 10 and a half assists more or less, and you just pick the more or less with two to six players, and you break down what you think is going to happen. It's not difficult, is it? So that's fantasy sports made easy. They have the prize picks um, Taco Tuesday. They have different specials every now and then. I've seen ones for Black Friday and Cyber Monday that have already passed. They have guaranteed plays to where if you win, you get money. If you lose, you lose nothing. 
fan or uh, prize picks is going to take care of you. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. That's daily fantasy sports made easy. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. And I want to break down a play specifically, and that's the last offensive play of Grambling season. And I felt like this was an example of Southern outcoaching the Grambling Tigers. On yesterday's episode, we looked at the effect of Grambling's inability to finish, right? And this was one of the examples. You couldn't finish on that last drive. I don't need to look at the effect again. We know what it is. Grambling wasn't able to score, so Grambling lost the game. But let's break down that play. Let's dissect the play. As opposed to looking at the impact of it, let's look at how we got to the final result. Um, There was two things. One, Grambling came out in a trip set. So three receivers on one side, on the left side of the line of scrimmage, to be honest, uh, to be uh, specific. So you have three receivers split out on the left side of the line of scrimmage. You had one receiver on the right side of the line of scrimmage split out. And you had a, a uh, running back in the backfield with your quarterback. Southern didn't like the look because they thought that they were going to run the ball, came out with the run defense, said, you know what, we're taking a timeout so we can adjust. They adjusted. Grambling didn't. That was the coaching mistake to me. That was the coaching mistake. Instead. And it was a different play, to be fair. It was not the same play that they were going to run, or it was a different setup to get into the play at the worst. But Grambling, instead of having three receivers out in that trips formation and one to the right, they just moved the tight end from being split out to being on the line of scrimmage. So he had his hand in the dirt. It was still a three-by-one formation. That was the only difference. You didn't come out and give them a different look. It's like, this is our play. We don't care that they've seen how we're going to line up. We're still going to run with it. And that was a mistake to me. That was Grambling not taking the opportunity to adjust when Southern did take that opportunity. And that was a mistake. Because, yes, you had Javon Robinson who went into motion before the timeout was called. So he gave you a look as if they were going to do something creative with him. But then when they came out, they didn't run him in motion. So it wasn't the same exact play. But I think that the target was going to be the same. It was Lyndon Rash the whole way. When you line up the first time and you have the trips, you had Rash over there by himself, isolated. When you come back out, you have Lyndon Rash on the right by himself, isolated. Right. And isolated is the word that I really wanted to use because it felt like basketball, iso ball. Hey, take everybody over there. It's me and my man, and we are about to go at it right now. Pause. But, like, that's what it looked like to me. It looked like, okay, we're going to move all of the offensive weapons on the left side of the line of scrimmage so that you have to take all the defensive backs and everybody and slide them toward the offense's left. Now that leaves Lyndon Rash and Dimitri Marcel lined up against each other right there at the right edge, not even the in- edge of the end zone, but just on the right side of the field. It was obvious. It was clear and obvious what they were going to call. And when you look at Dimitri Morcel's response, he spoke about, yeah, I knew what was coming. Rash hadn't been in the game. Rash had not been in the game up to that point because he was dealing with an injury. 
But when he came back in, Marcel said he knew they were going to him and they knew they were going to do the fade and he was going to try to be physical. That throw was dead in the water before it left Miles Crawley's hands. And I don't know if this is a Crawley problem or if this is a coaching problem, but it certainly to me looked as if one read, if it's not there, throw it up and try to give your guy a chance. Now, while that might work sometimes, A, the execution of that was poor, and then B, Rash is injured. That's the reason he hasn't been in the game. But when you put him there by himself, it's clear what you're going to do. I would have much rather the double situation where you have two receivers on one side, two receivers on the other side. And then if you are going to throw it to Rash, at least have them have something else to think about. But when Rash came in the game and he was injured and I knew like he wasn't he wasn't really 100 percent, but he didn't want to end the season this way. So he wanted to come out and do something to me. I thought the right call was to use Rash as a decoy. Imagine if you put another receiver on that side with Rash, everybody thinks Rash is going to get the ball because he hasn't been here. So now when you put him in, it's clear, hey, we know you're not right, but try to give us everything you got for this play so we can get the ball to you. That immediately would have been my first thought. If I know you're passing, because you're on the three-yard line, I don't mind you passing. You could have ran, but I don't mind you passing. Um, My instant thought as a defense would, Rash hasn't been – or my instant thought as a defense, excuse me, would have been Rash hasn't been in this game for a while. He's here now. They're obviously going to him. You could exploit it that instantly. But instead you didn't. And to me, these are two coaching mistakes. I don't know if it was one read and don't look at anybody else because I thought that he had Robinson coming across the middle. You know, it would have been a tough throw, but it would have been a less tough throw than what he actually attempted. I don't know. I don't know. But to me, there was a coaching issue there, and I have to criticize Grambling for it. And this isn't me trying to pile on Hugh. Y'all know how I've, I've spoken about Hugh, uh, Hugh in the past. This is not one of those times. I just felt like this was a bad decision by the coaching staff on the last offensive play, and it's a reason that they lost the game. Now, in tomorrow's episode, we'll be looking at T.C. Taylor's first year as Jackson State's head football coach. We'll look at the obstacles and how he was able to overcome those on tomorrow's episode. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.